Blog Talk Radio.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. How many of you know that song, God Will Make a Way, where there seems to be no way? That's an old song, but my goodness, is it a good song. So we thank God for that. And it's so true. Tonight, I want to greet you in the name that is above every other name that is mentioned on the earth, below the earth, and at that name at which demons hear that name, they tremble. The awesome and majestic name of Jesus. I welcome the over 90 nations listening to tonight's broadcast from around the world on Reaching Out Radio International, and this is your broadcast in the Word with Sister Pearl. I believe that the Lord has a word specifically for those who have been experiencing um, people, whether it's your boss, on the job, your coworkers, acquaintances, or even worse, so-called friends or church and or family members, treating you poorly. This word that I'm going to bring today is for you. And I'd like to just uh, open up this time with a word of prayer. We're going to dedicate this hour to the Lord. I want to pray for also the great woman of God, Evangelist Montel Fields, who is the visionary behind uh, Reaching Out Radio International And all of her hosts and hostesses, we want to just say, we bless you, woman of God, in the name that is higher than every other name, the name of Jesus. And we pray God's richest blessings be upon you, touch your body, touch your family, touch everything that pertains to you, your children, your grandchildren, that the Spirit of the Lord would just envelop you in his love and um, just do exceedingly abundantly above anything that you can ask or think for. Myself and all of the others that are blessed through this broadcast, we just want to extend our prayers and our love to you tonight. And to anyone and everyone else that's listening, no matter what your circumstance is, no matter where you are, um, I just want you to know that God loves you very, very much. And he has a plan for your life that is greater than anything you and I can think about. That's how great and wide and big and vast, loving and kind our great God is. When the enemy tells you that God doesn't care, just know that that's a a huge lie. The devil only comes to kill, to to steal, and to destroy. But God comes to give life and that in abundance. So as I pray to open up tonight's broadcast, I want you to put yourself in this prayer and let the Spirit of the Lord just put his loving arms around you, draw you very close to himself. I pray that he's going to captivate your heart as you listen to what I have to share tonight. The message is that God meant it for good. Whatever you're going through, Whatever the situation, whatever the temptation, whatever the torment that you've been experiencing, the harassment, I just want you to know that even though the enemy and of God and your enemies 
meant this evil against you, God means it for your good in order to bring it about, to bless you, and to cause you to go to a greater place in him. Won't you just bow your head, and if you cannot bow your head where you are right now, just bow your heart to the Lord. As I pray for all of us, myself included, uh, in this next hour, I pray that God will be exalted and lifted up. Heavenly Father, we are so humbled to come before your presence another time, another opportunity, and to say thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your love. Thank you that you're an all-seeing God, an all-knowing God. There's nothing about us that escapes your knowledge. You love us. Sometimes you allow us to go through some very deep waters, but you promised us that even through those waters that you would be with us so that we will not be destroyed. We will not drown in those waters, O oh God but that you would hold us up, that you will be teaching us things, even pruning us, cutting things out of us that you don't like, molding us, making us, shaping us, oh God, getting us to be in a place you can get the maximum honor and glory from our lives. Oh, Lord, more than anything else, we want to be like Jesus. We want to please you. We want to know you better than we know you right now. Take away all distraction. Take away all confusion. Take away any hindrance, everything that the enemy might throw at us to try to distract us in the next hour. And give us sharpness of spirit, O oh God, focus of mind. Speak to us, living God. Glorify and honor and exalt your name. I pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I want to read to you, just starting out, one verse from Genesis chapter 50 and verse 12. Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible, the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 50 and verse 12, it reads like this. This is when Joseph spoke to his brothers, his brothers that had done him some of the most terrific things imaginable. And we'll talk about them a little bit tonight. Um, and Joseph told his brothers when they were very afraid that now he was in a great position to retaliate and to get vengeance on them for the horrible, wicked, evil things that they did to him. Joseph said to them, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And that's tonight's topic and title of this message. But God meant it for good. Whatever you're going through in your life, I want you to know, even if it's a time of God chastising or punishing you or punishing me, I want you to know that God is not a cruel God, that if he does punish us at the end of the day, at the end of that period, at the end of that session, at the end of that season, God is not trying to destroy us, but he means it for our good. If he allows us to go through hardship and difficulty, 
and to be tormented and to be harassed. Joseph said, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Again, that was taken from Genesis chapter 50 and verse 12. So I just want to let you know that especially to those of you that are in the household of God, you belong uh, to the Lord Jesus. You've already uh, received his forgiveness and you have opened up your heart and your life to him and you have made him Lord, master, king, ruler over your life. I want you to know that what God wants you to do is to be a deliverer to other people. You might not be, but I might not be a deliverer in the way that Joseph was, because actually Joseph was used of God not only to bring help to his own people, Israel, but to all existing nations at that time. They all traveled to Egypt because Egypt was the only place where they could get food in a horrible famine that took place around the world. God raised up a man by the name of Joseph. But I want you to know it was not easy. It was not easy for Joseph to be used of God. God had him in a pruning place, in a place of testing and trials. It was not easy. And I repeat, can you imagine having his own brothers treat him so badly that they were plotting to actually take him out? They were planning to kill him. Thank God for the eldest son of Judah. I mean of Jacob, I'm sorry, of Jacob, Reuben. Reuben pleaded for his younger brother's life. And instead of killing Joseph, what his brothers did was throw him in a pit and had him sold as a slave. But before I get to that part, let me just read to you so many things that happened to Joseph. And I don't have time in this hour to tell you all of the story about Joseph, but it's a fascinating story. And I invite everyone listening to tonight's broadcast, but God meant it for good. I want you to take your time and, and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you as you read the story of Joseph found in Genesis chapters 37 all the way through chapter 50. 37 of Genesis all the way through chapter 50. And I'm going to read you one verse right now from Genesis chapter 37 and verse 24. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. So let me just give you a little background history. Joseph was one of two sons that Jacob had from his wife, Rachel. Now, Rachel was the wife that Jacob loved so very much. And he worked seven long, hard years to be able 
to work and and earn uh, the faith of his uh, father-in-law, which was also his uncle, really. But anyway, he finally worked for seven years because that's what his father-in-law demanded, that he would work for seven years, and then he would give his daughters, Rachel, he would give her hand in marriage to Joseph. But at the end of those seven years, his father-in-law, Laban, really tricked him. And instead of giving him Rachel, he gave him Leah. Leah was Rachel's sister. And, of course, Jacob knew her. Uh, He probably liked her as a person, but he was not interested in marrying her. Yet his father-in-law tricked him, and at the night of the wedding, he switched brides. He gave him Leah instead of Rachel. And so Joseph had to work an additional seven years to get the woman that he really loved, which was Rachel. And Rachel bore two sons for her husband, Jacob. One of them was named Joseph, and the younger one was named Benjamin. And so Joseph, because he was the son of Rachel, was very much loved by his father, Jacob. And Jacob gave Joseph a multicolored robe. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole uh, reasoning behind why uh, Jacob gave Joseph this very special robe. Um, And we can get into so many, um, you know, we can analyze why did he give him this robe and he shouldn't have given him this robe because it it caused jealousy among his brothers. And and then Joseph, you know, we're not told this in the word of God, but we can assume, I don't know if we're correct in assuming this, but here goes Joseph walking around in this multicolored robe, which this robe certainly meant he had the favor of his father, Jacob, and perhaps more than any other son that Jacob, you know, had, whether it was from Leah or from Rachel. So the the robe definitely brought a lot of contention among Joseph's brothers, so much so that they wound up hating him. There's a lot of things that have happened. Like I said, please go and read the story for yourself. Genesis chapter uh, 37 going all the way to chapter 50. But they hated him with such hatred that they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors. Now, we also know that a coat or robe of many colors was worn by those who were royalty in Bible times, in biblical times. One example that we have of this is found in 2 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 18, when Tamar, who was raped by her half-brother Amnon, she tore her robe of many colors in shame due to the horrific way she had been sexually violated and abused by her half-brother Amnon. So we know that a robe of multicolors designated that the person wearing that robe was special. They were not ordinary. And we know 
that at the end of the day, Joseph was definitely not your ordinary person, but that he was a chosen man of God, dedicated to God's purposes. And the Bible doesn't say that Jacob had foreknowledge of this, but how do we know that Jacob did not? We don't know. People just assume that the only reason that he gave his son Joseph that robe was because he was favored of him because of who his mother was. But I really don't know that. Uh, only the Lord knows himself. But I do know that that robe caused a lot of tension uh, and animosity in the hearts of Joseph's, Joseph's brothers. And let me just tell you, listening to this, the enemies of God, will always try to strip you, I'm not talking about Joseph now, talking about you as a child of God. The enemies of God will always try to strip you of your robe or the covering which God has over you. But know this, they cannot. They will try hard, but they don't have the authority from God to do so. So I can just tell you that Joseph's brothers continued um, to, you know, I mean, they just despised him so much, as you've heard me say already. They finally wound up throwing him in a pit and then sending, selling him off as a slave to, you know, a caravan of people that were going to take individuals into Egypt and have them sold as slaves. And we find out, as we continue to read the story of Joseph, that Joseph was well built, and he was, he was a handsome man. The Bible tells us he was, let me see exactly where that was found, but again, just look at that story. I believe it's in Genesis chapter 39 that we can read that Joseph, uh, Genesis 39, verse 7, well, Let's go to the end part of of, of verse 6. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. Okay. And and God had brought him to Potiphar's house, and he actually got a high position in Potiphar's house. He, He was put over all of the other servants that worked for this wealthy man uh, in Egypt named Potiphar. So I'm reading from Genesis 39 and verses 6b all the way to verse 10. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Remember, this was a married man. Uh, I mean, not, not, not Joseph was married. He was single. But the woman who wanted to have sexual relations with him, she was a married woman. And again, I I repeat, verse 7, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Verse 8, but he refused. He said, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. 
How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though he spoke to Joseph, though, though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Wow. Now remember we're talking about tonight, but God meant it for good. And so many times when you and I I'm talking specifically to people who know God, follow God, place all their trust and confidence in God, desire to please God. I'm talking to you. If you belong to this category of people, you're the ones I'm talking to specifically. Because sometimes we're told that if we follow Jesus, everything is going to be fine. Everything, we're made to believe by some of the, the, the you know, televangelists and the preachers that we often hear on the radio, on the television, and even sometimes in our local assemblies. If they're not preaching adequately, if they're not presenting the word of God in a way that it should be presented, you and I might get the feeling that if we follow the Lord, we're not supposed to go through hard times or we're not supposed to go through difficulty. We're supposed to get our stuff and we're supposed to have a life of ease and that God owes us a good time. And if we're not experiencing a quote-unquote good time, then there's something wrong with us or something is wrong with our faith, or something is wrong, you know, with what we believe. God never promised us that everything we experience on earth is going to be easy um, when we follow Jesus. He said, in this world, we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Because he has overcome the world. So he didn't promise us that we would always, you know, have things easy. Please, don't, don't think like that. That is erroneous thinking. It is not correct. And here goes Joseph. And we just heard him speak to his master's wife while she is trying to wear him down every opportunity she can possibly get. And he tells her, Look, if I sin, I will be sinning against God. And that's deep. He said, if, if I were to lie with you, I will be not only sinning against my master, my earthly master, which is her husband, I will be sinning against God Almighty. I wish more and more that we would see things in that sight, in, in that way, with that understanding, in that right perspective. When we sin against each other, we're sinning against God. And like there was a, a saying a few years ago, 
Let us not get it twisted. When we sin against each other, we're sinning against God. Okay? So here we go again, and we see that number one, when he had the multicolored robe, his brothers were envious of that robe that put him in a place of distinction over and above them. But they didn't want that. They wanted to be equal or better than him. And so they hated him. They resisted him. And they did the most horrific things, short of taking his very life. But they were hell-bent to do that if it were not for Reuben, as I said before. Now we see his, his master's wife sees that he's good-looking, he's handsome, he's well-built, and she wants him for herself. She wants to enter into a, an adulterous relationship with a man of God, and he would have no part of it. So what does she grab onto? His robe. It's not the multicolored robe now because that was gone. That was taken from Joseph a long time ago and now destroyed. But now he's, he's wearing a, a, a robe of, of a high servant, and she takes even that away. And because of, of the lies that she told her husband, her husband, being Joseph's master, had Joseph put into jail, put into prison. But again, even in the prison, Joseph begins to excel. And the wardens take a look at Joseph, and they see something about Joseph, something about his character. They see the spirit of God in him, and they put him above the other workers in the prison. So now he is elevated again. He was elevated in his father's house. He was elevated in his previous master's house. He's put in a horrific place called prison. He's put in jail. He's not free, but, but even in the prison, he is elevated to a place where he's over other people that work in the prison. What does Joseph's name mean? Increase. And I want to tell you something, that even though your name may not mean, you might not have the name Joseph. That name might have not been given to you. Joseph's name meant increase. And I say to you that if you belong to God, if you would have the heart like Joseph, where you want to please your God, you want to honor him, even when no one else is looking, God will cause you to increase even in the most difficult of circumstances and the hardest of situations, you will increase as God caused Joseph to increase. So Joseph now is, you know, placed in a high position as a high servant, still as a prisoner, but a prisoner with honors, if you can put it that way. And then there came a time that there was a cupbearer of the king that was thrown into jail and also the baker that baked for the king. Both men, the cupbearer and the king, 
and the baker were thrown into prison. And both men had dreams. I'm not even going to get into the dreams that they had. That's a whole other message. But they both had dreams, and they both were troubled about the dreams that they had as they were in jail. And that's how they got to meet Joseph. But Joseph, being a man of God and and, and gifted to interpret dreams, was able to give them correct interpretations for their dreams. Now, what would happen to the baker is that he would lose his head. He would be executed. But the cupbearer would keep his position, and his position would be restored. And Joseph told the cupbearer to the king, when you go back and you continue to work in the king's house or the king's palace, please don't forget about me. However, like often people do, um, the cupbearer did forget about Joseph and, and never did bring up his name to Pharaoh until Pharaoh had a very, very, very troubling and different type of a dream. And he began to share his dream with all of his um, people that he respected in his kingdom. But nobody, nobody, not even the wise uh, people that worked with Pharaoh, no one could interpret the dream. And then, aha, at last, the cupbearer remembered that there is someone in prison that I met that interpreted my dream, and it was very accurate. He interpreted the dream of the baker. Everything that he said would come to pass did come to pass. And I believe that Pharaoh, he can interpret your dream. And so the Pharaoh asked for Joseph to be released from prison and be brought before him immediately. And sure enough, the Pharaoh shared his dream with Joseph, and Joseph began to interpret his dream correctly. And one of the things that Joseph told Pharaoh is that he would need to have a man that can, can, can have the wisdom of God to be able to know how to conduct business in a way that when this famine would come to pass and that would cover the entire earth, that the land of Egypt would not have to suffer during the famine. And the Pharaoh thought to himself that he had no other man wiser than Joseph himself. And so he chose Joseph to be the man in charge. And let me read to you from Genesis chapter 41, verses 41 through 44. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes, not one robe, mind you, but the Bible says robes, plural, of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. The Pharaoh made him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, and Pharaoh, but without your word, 
no one will lift hand or foot in all of Egypt. Wow. Wow. Let's recap. Joseph is given a multicolored robe by his father, Jacob. And because of that, because of being favored above his brothers, he is hated. He is betrayed horrifically. Own brothers, they get together, conspire to kill him, but don't kill him and instead sell him as a prisoner, lie to their father, take his robe that his father gave him, douse it with animal blood, lie to the father and tell the father, their own father as well, that surely Joseph has been killed by a wild animal, knowing all the while that Joseph was alive and deceiving their father Then Joseph is sold as a slave. He works in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife desires him sexually, wants him to commit adultery with her. He refuses because he's a man of God. He chooses to honor God rather than give in to his base, you know, feelings. And, and, and we don't really know that he had any feelings for this woman at all, but no matter what, he did not give in. He wanted to honor God. She grabs a hold of his robe. She presents the robe to her husband and says, here goes the robe that I got from him when he was trying to, you know, lay with me. She lied upon Joseph. Joseph's put in prison by his master, Potiphar. Joseph is now elevated, no longer just a simple prisoner, but a prisoner with status, a prisoner that's put over other prisoners. Then he is taken from prison. He comes before Pharaoh, the king of all Egypt. He's interpreting the dream, a dream that is filled with wisdom from God and that winds up saving Egypt from perishing through a horrific famine. The Pharaoh gives Joseph not only one robe, but robes of fine linen, gold chained around his neck, ring on his finger, and puts him to be second in all the land of Egypt, second only to the Pharaoh himself. He says, no one without the word of Joseph is able to lift hand or foot in Egypt. This is how God elevated Joseph. And because God had already showed Joseph what to do, what to do in the days of plenty, 
and what to do in the years of famine. Not only was Joseph directed by God Almighty to know how to have food and to give the people of Egypt food, but people from all around the world at that known time would come to Egypt and stand before Joseph to be able to have food for themselves and their loved ones, including the very brothers that had put Joseph for sale and had, you know, turned their back against him, sold him into slavery, and just acted as as if he were dead. The same very brothers had to wind up going to Egypt at the plea of their father, Jacob, to go to Egypt and get food for us so we do not die. Little did they know that they would wind up having to ask for food from the very brother whom they had betrayed years ago. And when Joseph finally was in a position where he could have gotten vengeance on them, and they were so afraid after their father died, they were so afraid they even made up a story and told Joseph a lie, sending him a letter that, you know, our father said that you should treat us good, even though we've done you so much wrong and so much evil. Joseph said to them in in Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 21, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. I want you to know that I have not given you the full, wonderful story of Joseph. It is a phenomenal story. And you need to take time and ask the Holy Spirit to make it real to you. It is so chock full of so many wonderful things, great insight on human relations, on, on, on learning from God and being pruned and being changed and having God use us for his glory. It's never just about ourselves, but it is to, for God to work in us so that we might be a blessing even to our own enemies. Yes, Joseph's brothers did mean evil. There's no doubt about it. And if you'll notice, you know, Joseph didn't turn around and make them his wise advisors. They would never be put in that place. He forgave them, yes, but he knew who they were. And he said, you intended it to harm me. But God allowed it because he intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives, your lives and the lives of the known world at this time. So don't be afraid. I'm still going to provide for you and your children. God has put me in that place where I can and I'm able to provide for you and your children. He assured them. He reassured them. He spoke kindly to them. This is what you and I can do by the grace of God bestowed upon us. We can become bigger than our enemies. 
that have made themselves small. There's another story in the Bible uh, of Hannah and Penina. In Samuel chapter 1, we read of Elkanah's two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children. Hannah was barren. Penina would mercilessly provoke and harass Hannah because she had children and Hannah was barren. And what these people do is they do this when nobody can hear. I'm sure that Penina was not doing this in front of Elkina. She would do it when Elkina was not listening. That's what evil people do. They do it when nobody else can hear. But let me tell you, at the end of the day, God sees, God hears, and God will bless and elevate. So Hannah cried out to God. And God blessed her with a son, her first son. And what did she do? The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 19, each year his mother made him a little robe. Here goes that robe again. And took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. I believe that as she made a new robe for little Samuel, but he was growing every year. She dedicated her first son to God. And so after she weaned him, she gave him to the prophet Eli to raise him as a man of God. But she didn't forget her first child. And God didn't forget her. After he blessed her, opened up her room with Samuel that she offered to the Lord, he gave her other children. I believe she had five in all. But she would continually, every year, she would make for her, her son a little robe. She took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. I believe that that robe that she would give him, that new robe every year, signified his growing authority as a servant of the Most High God. And so robes signify authority, covering of God. Don't let the enemy, or I should say this, don't give the robe that God has given you. And I, I, I don't necessarily mean a physical robe, but don't let the enemy steal your authority in Christ by allowing the enemies of God to make you mean, ugly, resentful, bitter, that's what they want you to be. But for you to be used of God to touch those that he places in your path, you have to know that if God is allowing you to go through this hard time of persecution, of, of, of harassment, of being tormented, of being lied upon, of being played with, of having people you know, call up other people to talk about you in a bad way, put a bad light. Just know that, number one, God sees and hears everything that they're doing. Nothing is hidden to God. Nothing. And just as God saw what Penina was doing, mercilessly provoking and harassing Hannah, 
every opportunity she could possibly get because Hannah at that time was barren. God had mercy and honored Hannah with a child. We never hear about Panina's children. I believe that at the end she had to bury most, if not all of them. But we know of Hannah's first child, and we know that he was blessed of God to be a mighty prophet of God. So you never benefit from being mean and nasty. You do benefit from being humble before God and trusting that God knows everything that you're going through. I think about our Lord Jesus, the perfect one, one unlike Joseph, unlike Hannah, had never sinned, had never gone against his heavenly father's will. And yet the soldiers that beat him till he was beyond human recognition, the Bible tells us in John chapter 19, in verse 2, after the soldiers beat him to a pulp, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put, him, put it on his head, and they clothed him in a purple robe. We know that they did that to mock our Savior. And God allowed it. Why? Because God's plan was much bigger than anything that his enemies could come up with. They were mocking our Savior, blameless, guiltless, one who always pleased his heavenly Father's heart, one who never sinned, And yet those soldiers took, thought it nothing to mock him, take a crown of thorns, jeer, laugh, and make those painful thorns into a crown of thorns and then put it, I'm sure they dug it in, to the Lord's head and caused him to bleed and suffer tremendously. And then they mockingly clothed him in a purple robe. But let me just say this. Those same soldiers are going to have to bow before our risen king. Because even though they wound up, you know, putting him on a cross and crucifying him, he resurrected. He is no longer dead. He is no longer his bones are no longer in the grave. He resurrected after three days. He is now seated at the right hand of his heavenly father, interceding and pleading, even for those that persecuted him, even for those who did those terrible things to him. They meant it for evil, but God allowed it good because if Jesus had not given his life as a sacrifice if he had not paid the price 
for my sin and yours, which was blood, his precious blood, guiltless blood shed, I would have no right to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would not be able to be his child. You would not be able to be his child. That's the ultimate. Hannah, if she had not gone through her persecution, her suffering, if she, you know, decided to become bitter instead of crying out to God, God, I believe, would not have honored her prayer. But instead of of, of, of being mean like her, you know, the co-wife was, Penina, because nowhere in the Bible does it say that Hannah retaliated to Penina. No. She suffered the the mocking and and the provocation, but she cried out to God. That's the difference. And God heard her prayer and gave her Samuel, who grew up to be a mighty prophet of the Most High God. Wow. Joseph, who did not retaliate persecutors, was made of God. To be someone that God would raise up and use in a wonderful way, a way that Joseph could never have thought of in his life. Can you imagine? Had he laid with Potiphar's wife, I believe he would have missed the call of God on his life. And even though the robe was taken away from him that his earthly father gave him, God instead gave him so much more. And I want to say to you that God, no matter what you're going through, wants to give you so much more. Romans 8.18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I'm going to read to you another verse. I used to dislike this verse. I confess I used to dislike this verse, but now that I'm older, I understand it a whole lot more. Romans 5, 3 to 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts to the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you've asked God, why, God, are you allowing me to go through the horrific things that I've experienced, just trust God. He has a bigger plan. It might not be to feed a nation or nations. It might be to help only one. And that's sufficient. But for whatever reason it is, know that what the Apostle Paul told the church at at Rome in Romans 8 is so true. We know, verse 28, that all things, that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his Purpose. This is not for everybody. This is for the ones who love God. 
And if you love God, guaranteed all things, all things, I don't care what it is, all things are going to work together for good because you are called according to his purpose and you love God. Praise me. If you don't know the Lord, this is your opportunity. I'm telling you, run into his safe, loving arms while you still have a chance. While his Holy Spirit is still on the earth, run into Jesus. No matter what you've done, he is willing to forgive you of your sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember them again. But only God can do that. You can't save yourself. I can't save you. I cannot even save myself. Only the Spirit of God saves us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are, that you are not in heaven just, you know, looking at us and allowing things to just haphazardly happen to us, but you have a plan and you have a purpose. Just as you had a plan for Joseph of old, God, and even though the enemy tried to strip him of his authority, of his robe as it were, he always gave him better, and you wanted to take him from glory to glory to a place where you could actually use him to help not only his brothers, that hurt him, but for the known world at that time. And God, we might not be asked to help the known world, but if we can just help whoever you want us to help, if we can just shine your light and and guide someone in the way of Christ, then we will be pleased, Heavenly Father. Forgive us of our sins for those of us who don't know you. God, forgive, help them to cry out to you in earnest, in reality, knowing that you're the only hope that they have. It's no one else that can help them, only Jesus. Lord, let them cry out to you tonight. And I pray for each man and each woman that listens to this radio program and that they will be eternally saved, forgiven of their sins, and brought into the kingdom of love and the kingdom of light and that they will walk into their God-given purposes in you. I pronounce that blessing upon them, O Father, in Jesus' name I pray. When the enemy meant it for evil, you mean it for our good. We bless your holy name. Bless the people and make them a blessing, I pray. This is your sister Pearl in Reaching Out Radio International. God bless you. Until next Sunday night, whatever you're going through, just know God has a plan. He's going to work it together for your good. In Jesus' name, bye-bye until next time.